All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 34th year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website, at davidsoncap.com or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to Wise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 57 points or two-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 46 points, or 1.1%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 289 points, or 2.4%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 2.2%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 6.5%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up an even 12%. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So, negative week last week. Um, just looking at the technicals, we're still uh, kind of stuck in this trading range and, and have been for quite a period of time. If you kind of look at the S&P 500 resistance level of 4325, which we hit back in August of last year, and then we've got the low intraday low set, let's just say 40, 3490 on the support level, and the market's been trading, and that was reached in October of last year and since then we're basically kind of between those two ranges and we have an important piece of data that's going to be coming out on tuesday which is the consumer price index for january yeah we've got a lot of important economic news in the coming week we didn't have any economic news in the week just passed the the the, most of the attention was paid to uh chairman powell's uh interview um i think it was at the economic uh club of washington Uh, and I believe that was on Wednesday. Uh, the, you know, there was the pools found things and is uh, what he had to say to chew on and the bears found some things to chew on. Uh, and in the end, he didn't say necessarily anything substantially different than, uh, than in the previous, uh, when they cut, when they uh, raised rates, the, I think it was the previous week. However, I did kind of get the sense that if the Fed had known about that hot uh, employment number that came out on the the Friday after they raised rates, that they might have thought about going 50 basis points 
had they known about that, uh, you know, up 500,000 jobs on Friday. That's just a, just a maybe. Uh, but, so, you know, since since they've raised rates, uh, again, the markets, by and large, haven't really done anything. You know, they've just kind of trended down uh, a little bit uh, from, you know, right, you know, just really right after the, 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 the meeting happened. If we get a hot CPI number let next week, there's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of the on the on the bull side, maybe rethinking that maybe they don't. Maybe there's a lot. Maybe there's some excess bullishness um, in the market. Now, granted, we've come off. I think the Nasdaq at one time was up close to 17 percent year to date, and we've we've come off that. We're still. Uh, you know, got a, a great start to the year, and I don't think any of I know none of us thought we'd have this kind of start to 2023, and I'm sure there's a lot of market pundits that didn't believe that we'd have this kind of start either. Yeah, Joe. Well, one of the things that I, I heard multiple times in the, in the media was how the Fed had taken a little bit different approach, and now they're more data-dependent versus being, you know, very, very diligent with raising rates, raising rates, raising rates now – they tail back a little bit. It's more "quote unquote" data dependent, which I think, in some circumstances, uh, the market likes. You know, they're not going to be as hawkish, and they're and they're taking current data and they're adjusting what they're doing based off of that. So you're well, saying that? So, so you're saying last year they were just blindly raising, regardless yeah, of? I don't. I don't know that necessarily. I wouldn't say that, blindly. I, I would. But say I would say we have... knew what was coming, and. and I don't know, but that's. Are you saying? Well, I heard I it think, multiple times this week. Well, I mean, I, I think I think that as they're in the ninth inning of their monetary policy wrangling, you know, obviously they're going to be parsing every piece of data to within an inch of its life. I do know that the market, for a short period of time during that interview, Jeff, when he made the comment, kind of alluded to if we knew that the jobs numbers was going to be that hot, maybe would, we would have done a little bit more, and the market again was hanging i should say the algorithms and the traders were hanging on every single word but i i did also hear something this past week particularly to the nasdaq with the kind of run that the nasdaq has had where now they're starting to look back and say well maybe this was just a lot of short covering and and we said this on a couple of shows ago you know rebalancing but particularly in the nasdaq short covering and in order to cover a short for all of our listeners you actually have to buy that stock that you're shorting in order to cover that short. And so that's where maybe some of this excess return was coming in the NASDAQ. And now that a lot of the short covering is done, we're kind of starting to see the NASDAQ come back down a little bit from the nosebleed levels coming out of the blocks for, for 2023. I don't know that I would say that the shorting's done. I, I would, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Kyle, but I think that the days following the the rate increase, which was week before last, we had noticed that volume had was trending higher than normal. Was spiking, and yes. since then, but since then, say the last five trading days, uh, I think I heard you say earlier that we we've gone back to uh, below trend, below average for the, uh, the S and P. Absolutely, that, very good point. But interestingly enough, though, Jeff is on the Nasdaq. It's still been averaging above trend as far as volume is concerned on the Nasdaq, even this past week. Uh, but for the S and P, you're absolutely right. We saw above average volume particularly on the buy side, which is kind of telling me as a money manager that we got some new long positions coming in. But since this past over this past week, we've seen volume kind of fall off. So I think there is, you know, putting in some longs, 
Some managers are being patient, waiting again to be data dependent as we are at Davidson Capital Management, because I know that we have some positions that we can increase some allocation to that have come out with their earnings and everything was okay. But we're holding off to add any more money to those positions, the individual stock positions, until we get the CPI data data on Tuesday because we're going to be data dependent. But I think really the key is for this first segment for all investors is patience. And we've talked about that all this year on the Money Wise program is that you just have to be patient and let the data come in. Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You money wise guys, we'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program, continuing to recap the happenings of Wall Street this, from this past week. And I was saying in the last segment, just looking at the technicals, the S&P 500 is just kind of, you know, kind of, again, trapped between a resistance level of 43.25 on the upside and on the downside, the intraday low that occurred back last October of 34.90. And we've just kind of been churning in and around there. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, we finally broke through the 4,100 level of the S&P 500. And we've kind of just been going up and, you know, kind of back and forth over that line. But as we were saying towards the end of the last segment, last week we saw some some above average volume coming in on the S&P 500 on the buy side. So that tells me that we've got some new long positions go, coming in. But this past week, we have really seen that volume start to slow down. And as I was saying, going out of commercial break, I think particularly for professional money managers, uh, in the equity markets is that they're also moving very slowly. And there's a lot of circling of the field. I mean, I know we've been doing it all year. We did a ton of circling the field last year. This is in this type of market condition, still in this bear market, you have to just be, you have to be patient. You have to have dry powder, but you get your buy list ready. Get your buy list ready, and we would recommend to dollar cost average in like we have personally been doing with our client assets at Davidson Capital. I think one of the things that Jeff points us out quite a bit, and we all have spirited conversations about, you know, topics from fear of missing out. And I think to the, the, to the point what we've seen this last week is the market's probably not going to run away from you, and probably averaging in and dollar cost averaging is the way to go. I mean – it, it it's hard to exactly time the market correct, you know, right on the but uh, the the button. But to your point, Kyle, I mean, you're, we're dollar cost averaging in into a market that seems to be trading into a range. That's probably the best way to handle it, you know. And well, and I did. Jeff would go back to the old statement: "There's no fun until the Fed's done." That's one of his favorites. Yeah, you're. It's just don't fight the Fed. Uh, and I don't think the Fed's not done. 
They've said they're not done. Uh, is the market going to just continue to march higher and higher if the Fed just raises, keeps raising interest rates a quarter percent here and skips a meeting, then raises it another quarter and skips a meeting and raises it another quarter? Uh, there's a there's a point at which that you know all these interest rate increases are going to have an effect in the economy, and I still. All the interest rate increases that occurred last year have still not made their their way all the way through the economy because the Federal Reserve policy operates with a lag. And right now we have this this another thing that operates with a lag is how how is employment. And this this big employment number that we had is that going to be the last big employment number we have for? Quite some period of time. Well, how long do you think it'll be before we see a five hundred thousand dollar, a five hundred thousand job gain in the future? How many quarter, how many months are going to have to go by before we see that again? I mean, I don't know, Jeff. When you because, see that, because if you do it again next, if you do it again next month, you better bet your, you know, bullish portfolio that they're going to that they're going to be raising rates some more. I mean, they're they're data dependent. That's a big. That, that's a data you know, point they have to go off. That's of, a big that's data, data point right there. Yeah. But, again, I brought this up on last weekend's show. The Fed has two mandates, price stability and full employment. And I just find it hard to wrap my brain around that they're going to sacrifice one of their mandates for the other mandate. They're going to sacrifice remember. employment to, 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 again, get back to, to more stable prices. But to your point, Jeff, about employment, hold on, just let me finish this point. When you've got 62% of the working of, of the working age male population actually working, only 62%. I mean, unbelievable. When you see the Jolts report, available job openings at about 10.8 million, we still have millions of jobs that got to get that have to get filled. Well, maybe he can just put an asterisk by that and say, pending if we ever have a pandemic again. And by the way, we have a, a war with Ukraine and Russia going on, and then we have a supply chain issue. Just put a big asterisk by that and put three or four of their bullet points on what's been going on, because that's exactly what he – if he's data-dependent, he's – yes, I agree with you, Kyle. He's, the big one that I always hear is full employment, price stability and full employment. And I, just put an asterisk by it and be done with it. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Okay. I believe I heard him say during that uh, interview – on Wednesday, he made the statement above full employment, that he felt that we were above full employment. So if you're above full employment. Uh, so what's that unemployment number? He's not uh, unemployed. I mean, the, the, I think it's, the unemployment I think it's, percentage. I think it's above four. I think I think it's above four. Going back to Econ 101, 5 to 6% unemployment hey, was, is. I believe it was 6 in the 1980s when I took my first finance class and, 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 and learned what, quote, unquote, full employment is. It was when I took Econ. So, so, so it's, we're, above, we're above full employment. For, for, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly what, the, okay. what, what he said. So, so if so we're above who, full employment, I wonder – that's going to lead to in terms of uh, employment cost increase. You know, are we going to start to see again wages starting to go up? I think, you know, don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I want everybody to make more money. But I'm just, what I'm talking about is in the the world that we live in, 
investing money for our clients, if you start to see employment costs go up again and we, and we start to see hot CPI numbers again, or this CPI number does not come down or levels off at a rate of, you know, four and a half, five percent, the Fed's going to keep raising rates. They may not keep raising it at 50 basis point clips, but they're going to raise it. Maybe they'll raise it at quarter point clips, but those quarter points will add up over time. Yeah, I've been hearing about, oh, you know, uh, we, all these people are out looking at houses again because, because we got mortgage rates back down below 6%, and we've seen some statistics that, you know, some people have started going out and, you know, looking at houses and getting mortgages again. We could flip this script on a dime with a couple of hot months of CPI. You, If it, if it comes in hot next week, don't be surprised if we give back. Well, the Dow's going to give it all back because it's already only up two point two percent for the year. Don't don't be surprised if the Nasdaq give it give half of it back in a week. But we're we'd still be up six percent for the year to date in in what eight trading weeks or well, seven trading weeks. That's still an excellent start. But you know, don't then people are going to start think talking again about oh well, you know, Fed's probably going to have to go fifty basis points on the on the next on the next uh, meeting. What's been happening in the background here in the last week, guys? What have we been seeing? Well, I've seen rates going up. Rates just started going up again. I think we two, two year yields been going up. Uh, yeah, going up two year, all, two year across, across across the yield curve. Two year yield was was approach was I think we're going back to like November October yields of last year. Mm-hmm. Four we actually four, we actually, four and a half. Yeah, we actually, did, and this is, you know, this is uh, something we have not said. We only got a couple minutes here left in this segment. We stopped buying corporate bonds in the late third, early fourth quarter of 2021, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes. We bought our first corporate bonds on Friday in, in 18 months. For select accounts, yes. For, for select well, accounts. We're going to be buying more in the weeks to come, but I'm just saying with some of those instruments that we bought, that were, and we only bought in year 2024, some of those instruments were approaching and some were over 5% yields. And we do want to point out, too, for listeners, if you're a new listener, our investment philosophy, we do not buy junk bonds. Or high yield. No. Well, we, we, don't don't buy anything. we don't buy anything no. under investment grade, period. And, and our period. investment grade is a little higher than the market. Market investment grade is triple B minus or higher, which is the S&P rating. We only buy triple B or higher. So we're a well, notch and, above uh, what was considered the lowest investment grade uh, bonds. Switching gears back to a previous conversation about the employment and this available 10.8 million available jobs, I would like to know the statistic. Out of that 10.8 million available jobs were jobs that were held by older employees that finally just decided to leave the workforce permanently and took retirement. Because I had this conversation with a client this past week about a lot, particularly for employees that had traditional pensions and because of the pension adjustments for the lump sum rollover distributions being massively negatively impacted by the higher interest rate environment that it caused some workers that would maybe spend another 24 to 48 months in the workforce just to to heck with it, I'm going to retire and get out. So I, I would love to know if someone has broken down that statistic of the 
two to four year out from retiring workers that finally decided to retire because of the effects of higher interest rates on their pension. But we'll discuss that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send it emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, right before we went to break, I was just making the comment. It was a conversation that I had with a client this past week about how many of these available jobs, these you know, 10 plus million jobs that are available were once held by folks that were just a couple of years, two or three years out from retiring. And we know this firsthand with, you know, a lot of our large client base areas that have traditional pensions that when the new pension calculations came out for 2023, when you have a higher interest rate environment, the lump sum pension distribution that you can roll over into an IRA, it affects it negatively, meaning it brings it down in value. And it caused some folks to decide to retire sooner than they normally would have because of the higher interest rate environment and the effects on their pension. I just wish that they had a statistic, Jeff and Joe, that showed out of that $10.8 million were were actually held by older employees. Whether they did or did not know that it really much much matters. I mean, this well, is the does, number that's out there. Are, I, I would I would like to know the more I, senior it, positions, well, more experienced yeah, I mean, I think, positions. I think that I think that maybe harder to fill. On, I think that maybe expands on what I was trying to. What I was wondering is, does someone just break down all? You know, where are these jobs? Where, mm-hmm. where what do they are they do they really exist? I will I will say, Kyle, the industry or sector specific. Yeah, yes. I would say yeah. th- for the folks that that we spoke with last year that were in that situation at, the, at that particular employer, when I asked them if they thought they were being replaced by somebody else, most of them said they were not being replaced by somebody else. Well, it, they're just taking the job <laughs> offline. They were just they were splitting up the jobs amongst their existing employees. They were. Well, we, we, have a, we have a client increasing their headcount. We have a client that retired, had the pension, and all of a sudden, due to what's going on in the oil field, he went back to work. I mean, the money's so good in the oil field, you can make money really quickly out there at doing some things in the oil field service industry. And there are some that are going right back to work, you know, or they're taking well, a well, year that's off true. and they're going or, back. Or, so, or they did, yeah, are they 1099? I had another conversation with a client this past week that's probably 12, date means. 12 to 18 months out from retiring, but he said, you know, I've got an option to go right back to the company that I work for as a 1099 consultant and work two to three days a week. And you know what? I might just do that because I'm not ready to hang it up yet. I just, I just want to work a little bit less and, and enjoy a little bit more time with my family, my grandkids. And Joe, that's another client that did the same thing. The money was so incredibly good. He couldn't pass it up. 
he couldn't pass it up, and he stopped his distributions completely. He's like, just, I don't need any more money. I'm making plenty, working two weeks on, two weeks off. So, you know, everyone's retirement is different. So I wanted to, you know, switch gears again because in the last segment we were focusing so much on stocks and volatility of the market, data dependent. We're kind of trapped in this trading range. We have to move very slowly, be very patient, dollar cost average in. That's on the equity side. But there's one part of your portfolio that hopefully every one of our listeners owns that could really be doing some real solid blocking and tackling right now. And that's the fixed income side of your portfolio. I know Jeff made the comment that we just finally started doing some of our first bond buying since the the corporate bond buying since the third quarter of 2021 and some of the yield to maturities that we were receiving. And it struck me, it's like, you know, going back to the bonds while you're being patient and the stock side of your portfolio as your dollar cost averaging in, as the Fed continues to make adjustments to monetary policy, you can have a portion of your portfolio just continuing to work like a generator, just constantly providing that electricity, providing that interest income to your portfolio as you're patiently waiting to get through to the other side of this bear market and get on to recovery in and into the new bull market. So that's the one area of your portfolio that you don't want to overlook. Yeah, I know for what seemed like years, we thought bond mutual funds were, you know, a dirty dead. word. You know, <laughs> we, we were, dead we, you know, they're dead so as a tornado. We, we weren't, we weren't putting, <laughs> you know, if we had any, the last bond mutual fund that we owned was a, I think it was a, a short, very short maturity bond mutual fund that we, that we then subsequently sold and owned no, no bond mutual funds or exchange traded funds at all. Uh, for le- well, probably about a couple of years. And then uh, we got into a floating rate position for a uh, period of time in twenty yeah, twenty twenty one. That's true. We we had a we had an instrument that that raised its income as interest rates went up. I don't know whether we're in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, or you know nine and a half inning of Fed. You know the Federal Reserve raising rates. I have no idea. Let's just not get into extra innings. How about that? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no extra well, innings, Joe. The, the extra no, innings, Joe. The extra innings is higher rates for longer. Mm-hmm. That's the extra innings. Because you know how much of this move this year has been uh, has occurred because there's this uh, assumption or expectation, I should say, amongst some equity investors that they're expecting the Federal Reserve to start cutting rates by the end of the year. Now, under I'm what circumstances? I'm, I'm not yeah, in that camp. Under, I, I all the handicappers. We're, yeah, we're all like, in that camp that like, we don't think they're going to be cutting rates this year. Up. I mean, give me. I've already. We've already talked about how the rate increases that they've already put in place haven't truly made it all the way through the economy yet. So until those interest rate increases truly make it through the economy, and we can sit here for another two or three segments on this weekend show and debate whether that's three months, six months, a year before they before all those interest rates increases makes it through the economy. Yeah. You think they're going to start cutting rates before the rate increases they just put in have fully made it through the economy? I don't think so. I would I really say, Jeff, 
I would say that the pundits that are predicting that the Fed's going to be cutting rates before the end of the year are also the pundits that anticipate there to be a much more substantial downturn in the economy. Um, I think those are the, the pundits that are expecting that rate cut, that we're going to see a much deeper and darker recession than I'd say all three of us think that we're going to have. Because I think but we're all the, the same, same people that are that are that are really heavily bullish. They don't think it, I know. Uh, I know. Yeah, that's what's so counter. Sense. That's yeah. It doesn't make sense. That's what's so counterproductive <clears> because they're the most bullish. They're expecting rates to be cut, but rates would be cut only in case of emergency that the the economy has completely fallen off a cliff. And if that occurs, we know what's going to happen to the stock market. So why would you be buying and putting all your chips across the the line now? Instead of waiting till you get back down to thirty five, thirty four, thirty three hundred on the S P, then put your chips in. Well, that doesn't make any sense because I know all three of us. We anticipate a mild, very you know much more milder recession this year. It is going to take time for these rates to really sink their claws into the economy. And with tomorrow, with with Tuesday of next week being the uh, January CPI reading, consumer price index reading, I just did a quick calculation that if the price of the basket of goods from December stayed the same price in January, the year-over-year consumer price index number is going to be 5.74%. So if that basket of goods in January is less expensive than the basket of goods in December, then it's going to be less than that. If it's more expensive, then it'll be higher. But Tuesday is a very, very important day. And I'm looking at the year-over-year numbers because, as I've said on this program many times before, as we get deeper into 2023, the year-over-year comparisons, as long as the price of the basket of goods stays fairly in and around the same as it was in December of 22, we're going to start to see the inflation number year-over-year getting better and better and better. I, I'm just glad the price of brisket per pound's come down a little bit. I went got one for the Super Bowl this week. I'm like, Back thank you. Brisket. Baby Jesus, my brisket's not going to be $800 million this week. Just don't get eggs. Just I heard eggs was, was com- were, were coming down, too. Well, because well, there's a poultry gonna... issue there, too. That well, was just a had an avian flu issue last year. Was part if anyone of that was, that was, if that's anyone not geopolitical. What would you call that? If anyone has seen Super Size Me 2 about the chicken industry, oh they can, they go from hatching wow, to full-grown we, in about we six weeks. Yeah, we, so we, we just start talking about brisket and Super Bowl. There are more people trying to handicap what the Fed's going to do than there are than what's going to happen in the Super Bowl this weekend. Right, so, I'm just about that. Well, I, I don't so, know if you all heard late on Friday that uh, the U.S. shot down another unidentified object over Alaska. So I guess – if it turns out to be Chinese, they're really trying to test old Sleepy Joe, who was somewhat well, awake during the State of the Union address. You know, angry old man, get off my lawn, you pesky kids. Yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we have definitely gone way off script here yeah, today. Once with, in a while, this healthy script. To, Do you guys have a script? script? I never have a script. <laughs> I never have a script. You mean in well, the last couple minutes of this segment, I can't, I can't get – on the political well, soapbox for just well, a, not just no, no, no what i would Tenants. say here, here's what i would say uh geopolitical risk is very much alive and well you know the market really hasn't paid much attention to geopolitical risk this year w- would that be a fair statement yes it would yeah. midterms right even, away. even even the hot air balloon you know event from china 
I got shot down. Although I thought it was pretty smart, they put American writing on the outside of it. So if anybody hit it with a telescope, they would think it was something from the U.S. So, anyways, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you, Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to shift gears a little bit. I know, Jeff, you did a portfolio review and analysis for uh, a gentleman there in Corpus Christi, and you ran across uh, some interesting findings going back to the here we go again with the legacy distribution system and what we have been seeing in our office for the last 34 years. So fill the listeners in on what you found. So this particular organization uh, didn't used to offer managed account programs. Uh, they started offering them here in about the last 10 years, and one of the managed programs is really not a managed program. It is a program where they guide the investor to select certain investments. They provide, I guess, this list of investments, and then they make recommendations to the end client on what investments to buy and sell. I have no idea uh, how active the organization is in terms of making you know, recommendations on a continuous basis or, or whether they're buy or whether, whether or sell recommendations. My guess is, based on other types of uh, program investment programs I've reviewed from this particular uh, organization, that it's it's probably a passively managed type investment uh, solution. And what really struck me is the fees that they were charging for a solution where the customer actually has to make the buy and sell decision, yes or no. They were charging as much for this particular option as they were for their fully managed option. Plus that you have all the expenses built into uh, all the mutual funds. In this case, there was a lot, there was a number of mutual funds in this particular portfolio. So all in the, the end customer was approaching a 2% fee structure, mm. which is high. We've seen higher, but this is still oh, yes. high. And what have we said? The easiest way to improve performance in an investment portfolio is to reduce expenses. That's the easiest way to improve performance, reduce expenses. So at 2% all in, that's expensive. So I can I ask you a quick question? Sure. I was going to say, how far did you have to dig into detailed disclosure information to find and figure out this 2%, it, roughly this 2% annual fee? Well, with the annual fee... The, the the management side, and I use that in quotations because they're really not managing. They're just giving recommendations to buy and sell, and it's the end customer's uh, decision what to buy or sell. 
so that's and when not, to do it. There's not, there's, not a discretion, there's not a discretionary relationship. It's totally non-discretionary. Mm-hmm. So to find the management is very easy. It's very well disclosed. But to find the expense ratios, you know, to look up all the mutual funds and go through that process, and you have to have some special tools uh, to do that, to figure it out quickly. Um, but, you know, at one point, you know, 3%, 3%, 5% and management fees, and I use that in quotations, and then you've got, you know, six-tenths to seven-tenths of a percent in internal fees and expenses in the, in the, mutual, in the mutual fund options. That's how you get to 2%. Uh, but what I what I was really curious about because I had not seen this particular uh, program before. Normally, we look at fully discretionary managed uh, programs from this particular uh, brokerage house. This this being an unmanaged program, I was very curious. Um, I started reviewing all of the investments, and I was like, you know, these investments that they're that they have in their program, they look. The, the fund families look so similar to the other fund families they have in their fully managed uh, <laughs> options as well as in their uh, just broker option. Like this is, you know, here we go again. What's going on here? So you you dig into their ADV, which is the disclosure document that all investment advisors are required to give, produce, and keep updated to all their, their clients. And so on the 15th page... Of an 18-page ADV disclosure, there's a disclosure in, in there about conflicts of interest where they, they disclose that they have conflicts of, an, of interest when it comes to the investments that they allow in their program, this particular program. So they're not even offering to the, to the customer an unlimited number of choices. Or potentially best of breed. Best of breed, as Kyle likes. Yes. They've limited these choices. And I thought Mm. to myself, you know what? (laughs) I bet you that every one of these mutual fund families, because some of of the mutual funds were from the same family. They have like three different funds from the same family. Now, you guys know there isn't a single fund family on the planet that has the best fund for three separate asset classes. That doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. So if you have, you know, three funds from the same fund family and four funds from the same family and two funds from the same family all in one portfolio, that doesn't make any sense. So I got out the disclosure form that shows all of the relationships for this particular uh, how this particular broker has and the revenue sharing they're receiving from these from these mutual fund families. And would it surprise you gentlemen to know that every mutual fund that's in this particular client's portfolio that was on the list of investments to choose from, every single fund family has a revenue sharing agreement with that brokerage house. I'm shocked. I'm I'm floored. No way. Dumbfounded. I don't believe it. So how in the world can you have any objectivity in the selection of of the investments that are offered to you in this program, you if you're can't. getting if you're getting paid to have them in your program, you can't conflict yeah. of interest. And they even so said that they have a conflict of interest. Oh, so, ladies and gentlemen, you know, here's the bottom line: these types of organizations, and there's many of them. If they if they're going to screw you, 
and they dis- and they disclose it. Hey, we're going to screw you. It's okay. Yes, it's fine. It's disclosed. That's right. And this firm disclosed it, and but yeah. said that we don't. Even though we have a conflict of interest, it's legal. We we think it's our fine. internal policies make yeah. it okay, and we we yeah. we check to make sure that we're not we're not screwing our clients over too terribly hard. But we disclosed it, so we're all good and legal. This is the difference between suitability what the legacy distribution deals with and what the difference between a fiduciary and what we do, making sure by law we put our client's best interest first and always first and full complete objectivity in every investment selection we make at Davidson Capital Management. Plus we eat our own cooking and guess what? This prospective client would not have known about this unless he took advantage of our portfolio review and analysis process. So, you can reach us at 800-275-2162 to get yours. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break. We'll take the break, go into the news, and we come back. We'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with more investor education. So stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070. Or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, But we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called The Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this, I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which, you know, for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that 
we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, most instances I say you need 95 to 100% of what you're currently earning now. You need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, – calculate doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years leisure time that's right you have a lot more leisure time so you have more time to travel if you're into hunting fishing golfing those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money and so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now, again, I think is a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that that's a big unknown that's out there. And I think um, I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and so I think retirees are folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg. That's something that they need to keep, keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12% effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be. And again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients, and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce in income in retirement? They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need, but maybe if you had an estimate of what the por- what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now or if you were to retire say ten years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now, and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of seven percent a year and say, do you think this number will be? enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years. Let's say that the, the, that they bring a portfolio of a certain size and we, and we estimate that it'll grow at 7 to 8% a year for another 10 years, and the number we start off with is a $1 million. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's $70,000 a year, 7% of a $1 million. So is is 70,000 do you think $70,000 a year based on a $1 million portfolio will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now if we find that there's that the the client is spending $140,000 a year on their lifestyle then $70,000 in retirement we're not even taking into account any social security of course 
might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, income, or do we need to think about uh, lowering living lo- expenses, lowering, lowering lowering liver expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, I, think, I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that, well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm, I'm outperforming the S&P 500 each and every year. And if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And by saying that, I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year. It's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations. And what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan. And what are your goals? And say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized, over, you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. When we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one. Uh, that myth, again, uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals, and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is that is one. We see this that this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, they're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think another type of client that we that we're seeing and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here for about the last 10 years and that's this assumption that as i get closer and closer to retirement i need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments in fixed income investments and less and less in stock because i need to be taking less risk and so by having more money in fixed income well that would be traditionally saying well i'm taking less risk well that's all fine and good 
in a normal interest rate environment, and I use that in quotations, is, but this is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Dave? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stock side of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond, you know, slightly, you know, less than three, you're you're not getting up to the 7%, which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But it's because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the people Fed, say it. Very, very few people would say that. No, I, Nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know, than us. Either we, than us. We know, we know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Gross's of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word Contacted with bonds. So are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two. My retirement years won't last that long. The fact is today's today individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And... With a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of, of living past 86 years old. And so that, again, goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing, is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me till I'm 86 or till I'm 95. And if you and have nobody a, knows. And if you have a 7% rate of withdrawal in your portfolio and you've got a 100% fixed income earning you 2%, you're not going to get there. It's not it may not last 21 years. You know, as I always as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier, but unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. Myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. 
In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better, the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job, and if they had a, if they this 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 one million dollar goal to have in your in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one one million dollar nest egg. If you started saving when you were twenty one, twenty two years old, and you save for forty years to get to sixty two, the you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown bagging out. it. By brown. brown bagging it going to work. About about $8 a day. It's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would, accum- and, and you would accumulate about a million dollars at an 8% compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term time value of money and read the explanation. I mean, it's very, very simple. And, and again, if you're someone who's in their 40s, maybe in their early 50s, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to, to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement, and that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retirement of the average retiree's income. So, uh, you know, you're you're talking, you know, 62% that still needs to be made up. And 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 again, to be very blunt. If you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, The fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments, or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. if you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And, and again, as, as we all know, uh, with the invention of the 401K through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended 
at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash lump sum distribution from your pension, and the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum, and then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution, and then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred so that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget. That monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power and once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll free at 1 800 275 2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because, again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500, as an example, that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, well, $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect 
uh, of the market that that individuals don't think about a lot, and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period, so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation, or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It it affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients when we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement. I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare and you know the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than a half of a typical retiree's medical bills, and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And Dad, I mean, you're absolutely you're an absolute authority on no, this. No, 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 that's you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is again an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include. What do you pay? Around four uh, or five hundred dollars a month? It's getting more and more expensive. It is okay. So okay. your supplemental it's, plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say, and we've already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe six hundred dollars a month for that supplemental policy, uh, or even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is. Currently. Maybe six That's to eight, maybe six to eight hundred dollars. It's uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that well, the problem is at this point in time because of Obamacare, we we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th- this has not got through the system, and the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true, and so. There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven. You, you may be going <laughs> you, to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that that's not even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are I mean, safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What do, what do they mean is, by that? There is none. Well, I, I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, yes. this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe that's vehicles it. for long-term accumulation aren't accumulating a whole lot. <laughs> I was about in, to say. In, they, in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very loose term Something right less there. than 1% is not accumulating to me. I mean, I mean the, the, the bottom line, anyone 
going into retirement with, oh, I've got everything in CDs, I've got everything in my money market account, I've got everything in fixed income, I'm safe, I can go on my trips, on my vacations, I can go play with the grandkids and the family, I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you cannot- Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that, that means that you're the portfolio manager and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel and following this methodology of, oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely. Again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That, that's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, So myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, this might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back well, and revive. You know, they're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They, they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, but again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out, or taking a home equity line of credit out and and living off of the equity bills into your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to, to that financial crisis, there's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Uh, So we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. (laughs) 
Well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth it's like number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. And the fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. Uh, There must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. Well, I I mean, and unfortunately, again, if – if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed, then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them, and, and and I would think that that's, that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child, saying, well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, yeah, extra room I, in your house. Yeah, I'm going to be, because I did such a poor job planning for retirement, now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or, or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, well, <laughs> I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this. I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you-owe-me-this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 myths of retirement planning. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise, guys, will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we spent the last hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning, and we finally arrived at myth number 10. And that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning. Uh, now, money is important, But it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle. And guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, a whole high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very, very extravagant lifestyle. Doesn't matter how much you, you you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah, it's about creating a proper balance. And, and, it's, well, and it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated tr- large nest eggs. But but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually, it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll still see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even... Enjoy, yeah. enjoy some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's 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 about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think that it goes back to your point: is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility right. and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with your other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets, don't stay the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not yeah. just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation and medical Inflation is all – I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than 2%, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than 2% for their living expenses. And so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And, you know, we've always used at least a minimum 3% uh, inflation rate. And so if, if, you're, if you're accumulating assets into retirement – and you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent, unless you go way, way out. Well, there's the no one yielding seven, and we're talking about in our experience, our 25 years, we've seen where you can take seven percent right. out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size. Still, but you what started I'm with. yeah, but what I'm saying yeah. is, is that greater than the size you, you can't even with. get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation. 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different, but if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No. Not with medical care costs. I don't think medical, co- Medicare costs are growing at, at 3% or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs. And those the, are and probably the, and that, high single-digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to this show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring. This is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the eight ball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on the show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors and then they wind up regretting that and then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly and it can't be done overnight exactly and it can't be done overnight so you know again you have to plan you have to prepare do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.